JJ Watt watch continues. John Clayton proclaims that Watt has narrowed his teams down to three teams. There are still others interested, but John Clayton proclaims that, yes, the Tennessee Titans, the Buffalo Bills, and your Green Bay Packers are the front runners. Raiders are a dark horse, and there are still about a dozen teams still after the three-time NFL defensive MVP, and we sit around wondering what will happen as J.J. Watt is still on Twitter, still on Instagram, tweeting out bizarre things about mitochondrians, and then he's talking about scary hours where he's working out at night in Pewaukee. He is just out there kind of poking and prodding and making people just kind of go squirm and a little crazy a little bit. J.J. Watt would love to have you, brother, come to the Green Bay Packers. And then our guy R.J. was fishing around on the Twitter sphere, and he sent this my way. This comes from, let's see here, where'd you go, RJ? This comes from ESPN. They say, J.J. Watt has received several offers from teams, obviously, and the best offer he has received right now is between 15 and $16 million per year per sources. So if that's the case, my God, I don't think the Packers would be a uh, be throwing around that kind of money for J.J. Watt as they're still over the cap right now, and they have some moves to do. What do you do with Aaron Jones? What do you do with Jamal Williams? What do you do with Corey Lindsley? What do you do with <laughs> Kevin King? What do you do with the guys to restructure? So Watt apparently has best offer out there between 15 and $16 million per year now. Those are per unnamed sources, so take it with a grain of salt. But that is the rumor flying around from the Blue Checkmark Brigade. The uh, the big J's out there, if you will. But yes, John Clayton reporting. Tennessee, Buffalo, Green Bay are the leading teams for Watt. Not, he says, the final three, as he says he has not narrowed down his list. The Browns are still in the mix, but so are the Raiders. It seems, though, that the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't in the mix. He won't be coming to Pittsburgh, uh, John Clayton proclaims. You're saying this on uh, Pittsburgh Radio yesterday on 93.7 The Fan. Uh, they say the Browns are still in the mix because they have a lot of things Watt is looking for, including Super Bowl potential, a good quarterback, supporting cast, and money. That's what a league source told Cleveland.com. Uh, let's see here. In in I'm Not surprised, I guess, because the Steelers are in cap hell. Roethlisberger is due a lot of money. They're thinking about restructuring his contract. I was reading that yesterday. But it's the Bills, the Titans, and the Packers who are right now allegedly the front runners. More will be revealed on the front. Let's go to the phones. Who's this? Hi, Dad. Nice, Charlie. Let me toss you an old. All right. Head, I just, can you head really? heart, gut. That's what I've been asking. So, Rowdy, head, heart, gut. Where do you fall? Well, obviously, heart, you're going to want J.J. Watt. I mean, it's a cool story, right? Wisconsin guy, played for the Badgers. Potentially could play for the Packers. Head, if it's going to be fifteen or sixteen million, I can't see the Packers spending that. If the Packers seriously wanted to keep Aaron Jones and franchise tag him, they could franchise tag him at eight and a half million dollars. That that's roughly half of what JJ Wand is looking for. If that's the best offer that he has, so your head says no. Absolutely, your not heart at says that yes. Number. What's your gut say? I don't think so. So just your heart, just because of the Wisconsin connection and the cool story that it is, yeah? Yeah, and especially if that 15 to $16 million is correct, I just I just can't see it. 
We will talk more about it with our guy Rob Reichel coming up. I just wanted to give you a little taste into Watt Watch, but now I want to move gears to uh, switch gears here to your Milwaukee Brewers spring training underway and Lorenzo Cain meeting with the media. Craig Council meeting with the media to talk, you know, what is going on at the American Family Fields of Phoenix. We heard a little bit from Lorenzo Cain there in the top of the hour sports flash, but here is more from Cain about returning after a year off. It's good to be back. See all my teammates, you know, um, just seeing the smiles and just being around the boys again. Definitely a great feeling. Getting back on the field, you know, swinging the bat a little bit, catching fly balls. So it uh, feels great. And the legs are they're coming. You know, they're not where I want them to be, but uh, they'll get there before it's uh, time to go. So, Kane, we saw a video of him, what, two days ago at Brewers Instagram, him taking some BP. It was, uh, it was nice to see Low Kane back. Uh, hopefully he's uh, get those legs under him. He does say he'll be ready for opening day, though. I think I'll be ready. You know, um, I feel like I, I can adjust very quickly. And and when it's time to go, I think I'll be out there on the field giving it my best. The Kane's a pro. It's pro. Making a lot of money. So you got to live up to that contract. And uh, getting his gold glove, what, 2019. Obviously played five games last season. Coming back, though. And here's what he talks about what he missed last year. With the boys, with the crew. I would say I miss the atmosphere in this clubhouse. I would say I miss my teammates. I would say I miss having the fans in the stands. I would say I miss just seeing the people uh, that's around me more than actually going out there and hitting the baseball. Okay, and here's the thing. If you did play last year, there were no fans in the stands, my man. And that's that's one thing that you didn't really have to worry about, I guess. But Kane did say during his year off last year, him and his family grew uh, close together. I felt like we built another, I would say, a special bond that – I think was missing, and um, I feel like we are closer more and more more now than maybe throughout them growing up. Just spending that time together and teaching them things, and, and just watching them do certain things and grow. Um, I just feel like we just we just built a special bond that um, I definitely wouldn't take back for the world. And good for Kane. You know, I'm glad that you can focus on. I'm glad that he could focus on his family and build that relationship. Because my God, could you imagine? Being a baseball player, a professional baseball player, or just a, in the minors too, and you have a family, you are gone on road trip after road trip after road trip, 162 games, and then playoffs if you make it. I don't even know how you even be a family man. That would be tough. I mean, Travis Shaw, you know, he's back with the Brewers now. Minor league deal for $1.5 million. If he makes the roster, he'll get another $1.5. But that was one of the things that was kind of hard for him to do his last stint with the Brewers. It was uh, at odds, you know, in his family. He had a, obviously a sick child as well. So to be gone, absent from your family's life, that's got to be tough. So good on Kane for being able to reconnect with his family like that. But Kane says he's ready to uh, to be a better leader due to his time away. That's something that I've never been great at. But I feel like now just being home and, and teaching my kids and now that I'm back with my teammates, it helps me to be more of that vocal leader. And instead of just just that on the field, showing them that leadership role. So um, I think just being complete leader is something that I learned throughout that time that I was home. That's nice to hear, Rowdy, right? A vocal cane, a, a leader in the clubhouse, some guy that's finally going to you know light some fire under some ass. Yeah, because the Brewers Brewers could have used some leadership last year. Big you could time. tell that the team just wasn't mentally there. You could tell that there was a lot of struggles from almost everybody. The the only real when you think about the Brewers in a bright spot last year, does anyone come to mind? Because I have just one. Well, I guess two Orlando Arcia. See, I don't even I don't Corbin even Burns. Argue. Corbin Burns. Devin, and Devin Williams. Williams are the only two that really come to mind. They need some they need some veteran leadership. They need guys to take that reign because the guy that everyone looked at as supposed to be the best player on the team, 
Christian Yelich had a really down year. Yeah, Yelich had a down year. No Kane. You know, everyone basically had a but down year. When he talks about being able to reconnect with his family and stuff like that, you know that coming into being a baseball player, you know that being a big leaguer that you're going to be on the road a lot. Like that's part of the job. That's why some guys like uh, Derek Jeter, they didn't pursue families until after they retired. So you're saying Kane Kane shouldn't have had a family? No, I'm. What I'm saying is, you know that si- signing up for that job, you know that's part of the job. Is you're not going to see your family very much. You know you're going to be on the road a lot. Yeah, good for Kane for being able to reconnect and do what he did, though. Good for him. Here's more from Kane of uh, opting out. It just wasn't for COVID reasons. I feel like I've definitely grown a lot in my faith over this time that I had off, and um, it's just you know I'm still a work in progress, but uh, it's still something that I'm going to strive not only now but for for the rest of my life. Yeah, uh, now we switch to uh, Craig Council. Council's talking about how great it is to have Kane back. Well, it's just another good player. It's another good bat in the lineup. It's just he's righties, lefties. He's obviously been very good against left-handed pitching. So there's a base running component to his game. So there's, you know, it's it's another good bat we're adding to the lineup. Yeah, and the Brewers desperately need a good bat in the lineup if you go back to what happened last year because everyone just couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. It was uh, it was tough. And like I said earlier, Orlando Arcia, he was the one that was hitting the most, and that was not you know nothing to write home about. But here is more from Craig Council on where Orlando Arcia fits into the mix. I think Orlando will move around a little bit this spring. I think we'll, we'll take a look at Orlando at third base also. So I think you'll see him at third base hmm. a substantial amount. You'll still see him at shortstop. That's the initial plan. How many people have they talked about being at third base now? And why would you talk about Orlando Arcia playing third base? So Orlando Arcia now, Craig Council talks about getting time at third. Travis Shaw, if he makes the roster, obviously, will be on there. Who else have they talked about being there? There's another guy linked there. Who else was Daniel there? Robertson. There's another one. There's another one. Luis Urias. Yeah, Urias. There you go. <laughs> Brewers have a third base problem. Hopefully, Travis Shaw can impress a lot in spring training here and be a constant at third. That's... That's interesting to have Orlando Arcia at third base. Orlando Arcia being moved to third base makes zero sense. That's strange. It, re- it really does. The guy came up as a shortstop. The guy's obviously shown in the big leagues he can play the shortstop position. Why would you move him to the corner at third? Normally third base, if you're not if you're not a third baseman, you still have a bat. That's or- Orlando strange. Arcia really doesn't have a bat. He hasn't been able to prove it over a full season. Very strange. All right, we'll, we'll talk about that coming up here after we get Rob Reichel on here in a couple minutes. But first, have they officially squashed the DH, the universal DH? Is like, is that officially squashed? There's articles that came out about uh, Daniel Vogelbach still waiting on universal DH. Because Craig Council has comments here. He says they're rooting for the universal DH. We certainly have a player that um, fits in that spot, best fits in that spot, I think is how we see it. But anytime you can, you have another offensive spot, after using the DH last year, you do see how it just frees up at bats around the field. And Council says more about they're not sure how the DH will play out. We don't have any information leading one way or another. I don't have any thoughts leading one way or another. You know, our job is to kind of prepare without it, have a backup plan if it happens. That's the best we can do. And if it does happen, they are prepared, like you said. Yes, because of how things went last year, I think we understand that rules could change at the last second. So I don't know if it's like, a hope it's just we don't know it's really a situation where we don't know because they've changed rules changed playoff situations uh late you know it, it 
certainly could happen again. Well, Nothing, yeah. The Brewers are hoping that there's a DH for Vogelbach to be in the lineup. Yeah. Because if Vogelbach's not in, or if there's no DH, Vogelbach's not going to be in the lineup. Why would you ever, unless Keston Hira needs a day off, why would you ever play him over Keston Hira? A lot of, a lot of weird comments there, like Orlando Arcia playing third, and then Council talking about them like making rule changes last second. Nothing like starting off a season, not knowing exactly what the freaking rules are. What in, what is Rob Manfred doing? We're not sure. You know, we're prepared if we do have it. Uh, do you want to see Universal DH Rowdy? Me personally, no. Yeah, I don't but, either. But I know I'm in the minority on that. I don't really want to either. I, you know, I like the I like the chess match of you know having a pitcher up there, or what do you do when it comes to, you know, do you pull him and put in a bat for a pinch hit or what? It's I like the thinking man sport of it. With no DH though, Vogelbach pretty much loses almost all of his value. He's a guy that'll play first base when Keston here needs a day off, or he's a slugger that'll be basically a, a guy coming off the bench to pinch hit like. He loses a ton of value. You like you remember when the Brewers had Chris Davis? <laughs> yes. And you watched him labor in the outfield. Then you watched him labor trying to throw a baseball. He, and he was, was strictly just a hitter. He was so soft that he he was like saying that Radio Joe from you know previous to the Bill Michael show was one of the reasons why he left. He's of like the media. He's a guy there. that was a perfect fit. To be in the AL, he couldn't play defense. He couldn't throw the baseball from the field, but he could hit the ball and he could hit it a long ways. He's a perfect DH in the AL that occasionally could play outfield for you. All right, that's that's Vogelbach. I mean, that's why he was with the Mariners. That's why when he he was uh, dumped by the Mariners, oh, I want to say he was with like two different teams. Both were AL for a reason. It was the exact reason why when Keston Hira had a bad elbow and could no longer play outfield, and they moved him to second base, and then they were questioning whether he could play second base. A lot of teams were scared of him in the draft, and the Brewers he fell to the Brewers because the Brewers thought that maybe they could make it work at second base. But they, they knew, a lot of these teams knew that if he couldn't, he's really just a DH, and that just takes away half the teams. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with Universal DH. Got a tweet here from J8 Krabs. What's up, Jordan? He said, he, let's see, Council never said RC is going to play third base. They said they can want to see if Urias can play short. In other words, they're having a tryout to see who they are trading. Well, let's hear that comment one more time. Say, I think Orlando will move around a little bit this spring. I think we'll we'll take a look at Orlando at third base also. So I, I don't think- know, Krebs. He says it right there. <laughs> yeah, He's, he says it right there. But to the trading point, I want to talk about that coming up. Nelly was uh, scouring the Twitters yesterday, and there are some linkage for trades coming up here, uh, possibly at the Brewers. Rob Reichel from Forbes.com, our Packer Insider. Robbie, what's up, brother? Well, and if we're, if we're talking about making bets, I will make you a bet that the Brewers will continue to be uh, Wisconsin's version of the Detroit Lions this season, Evo. And you, oh, my God, I, Robbie. I know every, I know everybody gets fired up in February and March when pitchers and catchers report, but my God, as I was examining some of the players on that roster the other day, get, get ready for another 70 74 and 88 kind of a season. Rob, Evo. have you Boy. seen baseball prospectus? They got them at 89 wins winning the NL Central, my brother. Yeah, let 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 them. Just just let them. <laughs> let them. Any, 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 anybody signing Travis Shaw 
is doomed to a year of disappointment. Oh, so. the Mara Ding Dong. Well, actually, Rob, we recalled the Mara Ding Dong City, his last stint with the Brewers. But we have I now... would only recall that in 2019, Evo. That, was, <laughs> that, that might have been the most laughable <laughs> performance by a Major League player in, in the history of Major League Baseball. I... You, you 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 see a lot of people on on Sunday home talent league around Unbelievable. around Madison swinging the bat a little bit better than Don Travis Rob. did two seasons ago. Where's the, I, where's I know the we don't want to talk. I know we don't want to talk Brewers. I just I had to get my Brewer rant out because I I was, I was having that conversation with somebody the other day. Are, are they are they the Detroit Lions of the major of Major League Baseball? <laughs> and I and I would argue yes, Evo. Oh my man, Rob Reichel. All right, all right, all right betting man, Robbie. Mr. Better, what would be a, 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 a more mm, sure bet? The Badger basketball team winning three in a row, the Brewers making the playoffs, or J.J. Watt coming to the green and gold? Who? What's the best okay. bet? How, how, how many get into the playoffs now in Major League Baseball? Ten? <laughs> we're ba- we're, they're back to normal rules this year. <laughs> so they, they don't get to hang a banner for finishing eighth in the National League this year? No. That was- that, that 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 again. That that was uh, a perfect example of the mediocrity slash loserville that goes on with the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, it's ten out of thirty, right, guys? Yes. Make the playoffs is is where they're at. Boy, you know the Badgers aren't going to win three in a row, Evo, with that schedule. Um, I'm going to say J.J. Yes. Watt because yes. I just went on that Brewer tirade. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, you, but, you really but, dug yourself but, a hole with the Brewers one right there, right? I, I did. There, there's no question. But I, but I will say this. I mean, there are reports out this morning that he's seeking in the range of $15, $16 million yeah. you know, per, per season and, then, and that he'll get that. I mean, because there are teams far enough under the salary cap you know, that, that can go ahead and give him that money. I mean, I'm you know, I'm just looking here, Evo. Take a team like the Colts that are obviously all in right now, right? They just went for Carson Wentz. They've got a they've got an outstanding roster. They've got fifty million of cap room to play with, right? Carolina's got forty million to play with. If if they can't go ahead and get Deshaun Watson, uh, do they throw a ton of money at JJ Watt? I know these aren't these aren't teams we've talked prominently about. Um, you know, but if JJ Watt wants to get paid, there's going to be enough good teams out there with money that can go ahead and do it. I mean, Tampa's still 30 under. I know they've got all their own guys to go ahead and re-sign. Cleveland's 25 under the cap. Baltimore's 25 under the cap. So a lot of these teams, Evo, just have far more financial flexibility built in right now than the Packers do. Um, if, if we're going to guess that the cap's going to go to about 185, which you know, which which is great because. You know, uh, I'd say two months ago, Evo, we thought that 175 range was was maybe where we were heading, mm-hmm. um, and and teams aren't going to have to cut nearly as many players as as they thought they were. But even if it, even if we're in that 185 range, Evo, the, you know, the Packers are six seven million over. If it ends up in that 180 range right now, they're eleven twelve over, and that's even with cutting you know Wagner and Kirksey last week. So. Um, you know, Nelly and I were talking about this before I, I went on, uh, came on with the Evo. If the Packers do want to go all in and just say, you know, bleep it, let's go for it this year. Uh, Rodgers only has a couple of years left here. Uh, if that, let, let, let's find a way to get all this stuff done. They can go ahead and get it done. They can restructure Rodgers' contract. They can, 
they can extend Devontae Adams right now yeah. and cut themselves a break on the cap for, for 2021. They can do the same thing with Jair Alexander. I mean, Adams and Alexander are going to get long-term deals here. They can go ahead and do those right now and um, and save themselves some money on the cap. They can cut Preston Smith right now. They can cut Dean Lowry right now and make room for J.J. Watt. So, you know, Evo, if they want to go ahead and do all these things, it, it, it is available to them. But the, but the consistent pattern in history uh, the last 20 years or so, certainly since Ted Thompson took over, uh, of Green Bay Packer football is they do not go all in. And, <laughs> and they, they could go for it here in 2021 and try to surround Rodgers in this game with a bunch of really good players and then say, you know what, in 2024 and 2025, we're going to be a 6-10 kind of football team because we've kicked the can down the road so far on some of these contracts. Um, that's just not their pattern, evil. So um, I, I think at the end of the day, their chances of getting Watt are, are, are still pretty slim, but, but they're in it. And o- only deep down, you know, does Brian Gutekunst know how much he's, you know, he, he's really the only one with him and Russ Ball and, and Lafleur, and obviously the powers that be over there are the only ones that know how in this race they actually are. Right. Rob Reichel joining us right now from Forbes.com. My man, Robbie, follow him on Twitter at Rob Reichel. So, Rob, all right, J.J. Watt, watch, whatever. I saw like John Clayton talking about how three teams have emerged as the front runners: the Buffalo Bills, the Titans, and obviously the Packers. And then he's got uh, the Raiders as a dark horse, and the Browns are still in the mix, but the Steelers are out. Of the three, Packers, Titans, and Bills, the ones that are, I guess, if you – you know, take John uh, John Clayton's sermon at you know face value here. Which is the one that you think would be most likely to land? What Titans, Bills, or Packers? Just real quick, I'm curious what you think. Well, and and again, Clayton backed off that statement then later in the day, and you know he he said some of his words were misinterpreted when he was saying that on the radio, and he said those are those are certainly three uh, involved. But, yes. but then he said then he backed off and he said there, there's a dozen still really chasing him but but it is interesting Evo you know the, the the teams you laid out there Buffalo is three and a half billion over the cap Tennessee is two and a half over Green Bay and, and we're talking at the caps 185 Green Bay is about six over so all these teams are over the cap now they can go ahead and get things done out of those three Evo you know Buffalo and Green Bay are clearly made you know I, I think Tennessee's going to take a step back next year I've never bought into them total even though they made the the afc championship game you know in in, in 2019 i think buffalo's set here for a four or five year run uh, of terrific football where they're a challenger year in and year out of the afc and, and obviously green bay's been a challenger in the nfc you know for 30 years um so i i would say out of, out of all the teams those two clearly make the most sense and it, and it sounds like you know pittsburgh's out of it at this point in time which makes sense because mm-hmm. they're way over the salary cap as well um, but 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 Evo, there's going to be some other teams here that maybe we haven't heard that much about that are going to emerge. I mean, even even New England, Evo has seventy million dollars of cap space available. They've, they've got to spend it somewhere, right? New England's not Belichick's not going to let that team be seven and nine again next year. You know, he, he's going to go and solve his quarterback problems at some point in time, and 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 and, and find another five six quality players to put on that roster. He could land JJ Watt. So, um, you know, Evo, I. I it, I, it, it is crazy. I mean, we, we don't have any a whole lot more clarity with Watt than we did when he was first released. The better part. What do you mean, Rob? Aren't you following down. his Instagram and his Twitter and all his like mitochondrian and uh, you know his uh, scary hours tweets? You're not deciphering. <laughs> you're not deciphering all of that. 
it, it, it's almost like covering the NBA. I feel bad for those NBA writers who have to read between emojis and, and little, <laughs> little between emojis all day to see, to see what James Harden really means, right, and, and what Kevin Durant wants and, and what Kyrie Irving is mad about for that point in time in the day. That's, that's kind of where we've morphed to as, as a society. Well, well, you got two daughters. you got to speak emoji by now. You speak emoji by now, don't you? Oh yeah, you know me. That's that 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 that's uh, that's all I speak, Evo. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I mean, I guess out of those teams, if I had to pick one, I would pick Buffalo. Uh, Evo out of those three that that yeah. you mentioned, but again, but again, I I, I think we're all doing a, a pretty good deal at this point in time of guessing. All right, Rob. So let me ask you then, brother. We'll take the Watt stuff out of it because it's every it's just all like, like you said, trying to decipher pictures or emojis. But how about this? <laughs> Jamal Williams has come up to say what two days ago that he wants to be a Green Bay Packer for life. Could Jamal Williams be the back in Green Bay? Obviously, be cheaper than Aaron Jones. I see him linked with like what the Dolphins and and some other teams right now. Could Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon be the guys to carry you know to ground and pound this team forward? I'll be honest, Evo. I don't like that combination personally. They're they're too similar of backs. Um, you know, if if, if you're gonna make Dylan the bell cow, and I anticipate they will do that here in 2021 and give him 300 carries over the course of the season. Uh, you know, he's a Derrick Henry type of a back, and, 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 and the back that fits best with a power back like him is almost a James White type of player, you know, the ex-Badger, you know, New yeah. England Patriot free agent at this point in time. You know, Green Bay has not had that scat back, third down kind of back, in a long, long time that can leak out of the backfield and catch 60 balls and, um, you know, be a threat in the passing game as, as well, the running game. Um, Jamal Williams has a lot of positives. Don't get me wrong, Evo. He's never fumbled the ball in four years with the Packers, right? You could, you'll probably be able to get him somewhat on the cheap, certainly compared to what Aaron Jones is going to get. I, You know, I think Williams made about $2 million last year. He probably doubled that, and he ends up in the range of four, no matter – no matter where he ends up signing, but he but he's kind of a bruising back that you know he's always averaged about three and a half four yards to carry. He doesn't do a lot, um, you know. At, at you know at the second and third level, Debo, he gets what's blocked. He'll run over a linebacker and he'll bring him to the ground. He, you don't see a lot of explosive runs, the, the the ten twenty thirty yard runs out of out of a guy like Jamal Williams. And 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 again, I I, I would go more change of pace with, with Dylan. Uh, Williams is certainly going to be an option, obviously, for him. I, I, again, he, he does a lot of really good things. He's, he's reliable as hacky pass blocks like crazy. He'll keep Rodgers clean in that area of the game. But, um, you know, I might look for a little more of an explosive player, and, and they'll certainly have the opportunity to do that, Evo, in the draft because they've, you know, they've got the compensatory picks from, from Blake Martinez and Brian Balaga and guys like that who left after – you know, after last season in free agency. You remember what they did in 2017 when they had decided to move on from Eddie Lacy at that point in time. They went running back, running back in the draft with Williams and Aaron Jones in rounds four and five. And and that's just how a lot of teams do it these days, Evo. You know, they'll they'll draft their running backs, they'll get the four years out of them, the contract ends, and they go to the next group of running backs for four years. My guess is still that that is what Green Bay is going to wind up doing, and both Williams and Jones will be gone. Really? Wow. Really? Rob, whatever happened? To, I mean, I know it was a Ted Thompson mantra, but whatever the hell happened to draft and develop? Well, they did it. I mean, well, they it, draft it, them, then they it, develop it, them, then they ship them off elsewhere. 
Well, but again, it, 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 it's how you view and how you value certain positions, right? And the running back position in the National Football League has been completely devalued. Outside of a few guys um, who get paid, right, the Le'Veon Bell, the Ezekiel Elliott, and, and let's look, how, how did those work out, right? Not, not great. Now, now, it's going to work out, obviously, for like Kamara, it looks like, and Dalvin Cook in, in Minnesota. But, but 28 out of 32 general managers, Ebo, will tell you, they can find a running back in the draft, they can plug him in next year, and they can be almost as effective as they were the previous year. Then they can develop those guys, take them through those rookie contracts on the cheap mm-hmm. for probably somewhere between 700000 and $2 million a year rather than give an Ezekiel, an Ezekiel Elliott $15 million a year, right, or the Cooks or the Kamaras or the Henrys of the world, that kind of money. And Green Bay has done that now the last decade or so, right? They took Eddie Lacy in round two. They, they, they got four years out of him. They moved on from Eddie Lacy. They took Jamal Williams in round four here back in 17. They took Jones in round five. They hit it with both of them. I mean, they, they did extremely well. They got all the bang for the buck possible, and they moved on. They went a year early. They took A.J. Dillon to be their bell cow now moving forward. Mm-hmm. They'll take a compliment, I would guess, to A.J. Dillon in this year's draft and and go go from there in the run game. They fully believe, Evo, that Dillon's going to have a, have a chance to be a pro bowler, and, and I think that's very possible, too. If you go back and watch that Tennessee game time yeah, and time oh yeah, again, he was a beast. Um, I mean, he, he was an absolute monster that night. He has that kind of ability, Evo. We could be sitting here a year from now talking about how Dillon was in the top five in the league in rush yards. I don't, I don't think that's a stretch whatsoever. When you take a running back in round two, you expect that level of productivity yes. from him in, in today's NFL. So, so Evo, yes, I, I'm all for draft and develop, and, and obviously the Packers have always been that team and will continue to be that team. It just doesn't really apply with the running back position. Rob Rush is joining us right now from Forbes.com. Robbie, just a couple more minutes with you before I let you go, and you can you know scream into the abyss about the Brewers once I uh, you know <laughs> hang up the phone on you. <laughs> but Rob, if uh, drafts draft is what April 29th, that's like two months away, brother. What what's Rob Rice doing? Getting ready for the draft? Or are you like getting your big board out? You diving into tapes? I like what are you doing, Robbie? Oh, Evo, you don't even. I, this is this this is typically the week of the combine. I mean, I'm. I, I'm so bummed to be sitting here instead of running around Indianapolis chasing these players and talking to GMs and coaches about about these guys. It, it's going to be so much different uh, than it, than it's been in the past, Evo, because this is it's such a wonderful week in terms of gathering information about these prospects and yeah. um, just just teams in general, Evo, in terms of where they're going. You know, with their rosters and needs and things like that, we find out a ton about the Packers and their plans normally this week so it's it, and i get it there's a global pandemic and and all that kind of stuff but but to lose the combine this year is going to be really tricky for a lot of people evo who do a lot of the, the pre-draft stuff and and get out you know so many various stories and uh things on these players the league's going to adjust and teams will adjust and, and writers are going to adjust and and find a new way to get that information, Evo. And and starting, you know, starting in early March, I'm, I'm going to be breaking down positions and players on a daily basis in terms of, you know, what uh, what the Packers need and who would fit in Green Bay and things like that. But um, yeah, to lose the combine this week, Evo, for writers all across the country, has been an extremely depressing week. <laughs> Damn, Robbie. Yeah, well, hold on. I know. I, I, I hate. I hate to be Debbie Downer. I, I, I need Bucky Hoops to get hot for me to, to, to lift me back up, people. 
Well, I was going to ask you a Bucky Hoops question, but Rob, I, I don't know if they're going to lift you back up, man. We do have a thing. <laughs> <laughs> we had uh, one of our loyal listeners, Bobby Collins, said the Badgers go 3-0. and He'll throw down some money towards charity, and I said I'd uh, do that with him. But then I had uh, RJ and Nelly over here say, I think they're, uh, your bet's going to be off come Saturday after uh, that Illinois game. The Badgers can do it, Rob. They did it last year the same guys. Why can't they do it again? Boy, oh boy. I, <laughs> I, 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 I will certainly say, I would say, Evo, their chances are better of going 0-3 than 3-0. Rob, we got to end on some kind of high note here. I'm trying to think. Like we got to, we got to end on some hey, kind of high note. Hey, Nate, Nate Reavers is up to .67 rebounds over his last three games. How about that? Yeah, I, I, I guess that's as good as gonna, uh, good as we're gonna get right now, hey? Do you mean six point seven? Zero one one. He's he's really he's really on an he's really on an uptick. Now, how, how about this, Evo? They're still gonna win a tournament game. They're going to still win a game in the NCAA tournament. Rob, no Rob, Rob. NIT's not a thing this year. Rob, don't listen yeah. to him. Robbie, <laughs> we love you, brother, and we'll follow along Forbes.com at Rob Reich. All right, I love it. They're going to win a tournament game. That's what I'm talking gonna, about, baby. I'm going to stick with that as our uplifting ending for the day, Evo. Robbie, all right, all right go put on that uh, old Craig Council jersey and start screaming in the abyss about the Brewers, all right? I'm going to put on my Paul Molitor jersey instead <laughs> and remember the better days. See you, Robbie. See you, we'll you check all. you out later, man. See you, man. There he is, Rob Reichel. Forbes.com, at Rob Reichel on Twitter. Good stuff. <laughs> going to talk some brewers here coming up, but first I was just scrolling around CBSSports.com. You know, you got J.J. Watt watching full swing. As they say, they're narrowing down the teams. Tennessee, Green Bay, Buffalo. Raiders are a dark horse. Uh, they say John Clayton specifically. Watt has not narrowed down his list yet. Uh, the Browns are still in. And so are about a dozen other teams after J.J. Watt. But um, Tennessee, Green Bay, and Buffalo, those are the ones that are kind of separating themselves from the pack. It looks like the Pittsburgh Steelers have kind of fallen to the wayside as they are in big time, big time cap hell. But I saw this. It was uh, Aaron Jones has been linked to a lot of spots, not to the Packers. In fact, it's the Miami Dolphins that are now coming out in the forefront for Aaron Jones it would pain me to see him, you know, bust out that that dolphin chain instead of a, you know, the G chain that he was wearing this season. It would pain me to see him in that strange aqua blue and orange sombrero as opposed to the green and gold sombrero that he would rock and that awesome like garb that he would wear. But the Miami Dolphins got 27 million in cap space and uh, after playing his whole career in the so far his young career in the frozen tundra Going down to Miami would be, uh, South Florida would be very interesting, but the Dolphins, I yeah, I I, I don't know what's what are they going to do if Tua take Viola? Is he truly the future at quarterback one? You know, you know, Aaron Jones could help out Tua, I guess, but I don't know what's going to happen there. The Jets have got seventy three million in cap space. I'd feel bad for him if he went to the Jets. The Niners got eighteen mil. You know, maybe they could throw their hat in the ring. The Arizona Cardinals got 17 mil. And then here's this, sleeper picks for Aaron Jones. They name one for Aaron Jones. Oh, Mr. Miami on Twitch said, I would love to have Aaron Jones in Miami. Yeah. Well, yeah, Aaron Jones rules, dude. The sleeper pick for Aaron Jones. Now they have $3 million right now in cap space. And they say kudos to David Montgomery for breaking 1,000-yard rushing mark for the first time in his career. But Aaron Jones, the sleeper pick, the Chicago Bears it said, with even David Montgomery having a nice little career that he or year that he had, that should in no way, shape, or form deter the Bears from at least trying to add Jones to the roster, especially having often been on the receiving end of what Jones had done to them in their division, obviously, in the NFC North. Uh, let's say, here's a chance to not only add firepower to the offense, 
but to siphon away a rival weapon in the process and use them against the Packers going forward. But the question then is, what do they do with their wideout, Allen Robinson? Because Allen Robinson is a free agent. What is he going to do? Like Robinson last season, the season that just happened, deleted all of his pictures of him wearing Bears, you know, garb, deleted everything off of his bio on social media about being a Chicago Bear. And then there was, I don't know if he was, what he was trying to do when it comes to money. I'm sure he wanted more money or something from the Bears or be traded or let go. But Allen Robinson is a free agent now, and they have coming into the season right now Nick Foles is their quarterback in Chicago. The same guy that was there when Allen Robinson was tweeting or deleting his tweets and his pictures of wearing Chicago Bears uniform. So I don't know, but a sleeper pick for, for Aaron Jones, the Chicago Bears. And then I look here at Allen Robinson for free agency. They have a long shot for him, the Green Bay Packers. So Aaron Rodgers would surely do his part to make it happen. And Robinson would probably jump at the opportunity, especially with the chance to play with the Bears twice a year. But again, like the Watt watch, finances are an issue. And if I remember correctly, Allen Robinson willingly chose to go to Chicago to play with them. He said, I will go there. He picked Chicago over Green Bay. Exactly. He willingly chose to go to Chicago. So that's there right now. Now Green Bay's got to trim their bloated salary, get under the cap. And I don't see Allen Robinson going, but he'd be a nice piece. For Aaron Rodgers, but they list uh, here the mainstays, the contenders for Allen Robinson, the Cincinnati Bengals, yikes, the Colts, the Dolphins, the Jags, the Jets, the Ravens, and the football team. It's, I know this is a little bit different because it's baseball and there's no salary cap, but being a Brewer fan, doesn't it feel like the Brewers have a salary cap? Yes. Like there's a, there's a amount of money where the Brewers, you know, they're not going to spend above. So in theory, the Brewers are salary capped while the Dodgers don't have one. No, yeah, the Dodgers are I feel like right more money now, than God. people that are yelling for J.J. Watt if he wants 15 or $16 million, or people that are yelling for Allen Robinson because you know he's going to command a lot of money. It's fun, right? It's fun because you'd love to see him in the green and gold. But then, like the Brewers, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, I'd love to see Trevor Bauer. I'd love to have them uh, sign Trevor Bauer or like in the years past, I'd love to have them sign Max Scherzer or like some of these players, the Garrett Coles of the world. But then you go, oh, wait, the Brewers technically kind of are salary capped and they can't yeah. afford to pay those guys $35 million. They don't have It's kind of the same thing with uh, Allen Robinson. Brewers are still trying to figure out how they're going to get below the cap. Yeah, Packers, <laughs> Packers trying to figure out how first, to get below the cap. First, yeah. I think the Packers need to get below the cap before we can start talking about all right, maybe this player fits here. Well, on Sports Talk Radio, we will go down those dream scenarios and talk about it here. We will live in that fantasy world, but then we'll bring it back and say, well, there is that thing called the salary But if cap. I'm the Miami Dolphins, I'd go get Aaron Jones. I, I yeah, Aaron Jones what, is a beast. I love what Miami's doing down there. They had a ton of picks this last year. If, if they hit with Tua, that team's going to be really nice. They yeah. got a ton of picks this year. I think they have even more, more picks this year than they <clears> did last year. They have some uh, two years from now, ton of cap space. Makes a lot of sense for them. Well, Mr. Miami on Twitch would love Aaron Jones there. I assume Mr. Miami, I assume you're in Miami with a name like Mr. Miami. Brian Flores has been extremely good down there. All right. Uh, Browdy brought up the Brewers, and that's what I want to transition to. So, Freddie Peralta. Freddie Peralta has been, and you brought up the name Trevor Bauer. Freddie Peralta started last season with a new slider. Freddie Peralta then started throwing on different tape and watching video of Trevor Bauer when he was with the Cincinnati Reds. He's Freddie Peralta talking about them. One day he threw a, the Trevor Bauer is watching a slider, and Trevor or uh, Freddie Peralta says this 
may work better than my original one. So it's Trevor Bauer, his time with the Cincinnati Reds, where Freddie Peralta took notice. The grip that Bauer used, how much the ball traveled horizontally after his release, Peralta says he stored it all in the back of his mind, and it would be two months before Peralta ever even attempted to replicate an actual game of what he saw Bauer do with his slider on screen. So Peralta started watching the video in June, and in Milwaukee at the time, anticipating the upcoming season, obviously, started and working and showcasing his new found slider. So Trevor Bauer, tape of him, is giving Freddie Peralta this different kind of throw for his slider. Obviously, no one is fastball Freddie. That would be nice if Freddie would get that. Uh, Trevor Bauer's a pretty damn good pitcher. If he gets that under you know under his belt and works on it, gets his arsenal. Because again, what was it seventy? How, how many how many percentage was Freddie Peralta throwing that fastball? It was about seventy five percent. Oofta. Uh, comments here from Craig Council though on whether Freddie Peralta is a starter or a reliever. He's going to be a starter at, at the beginning of camp. And again, this this gets back to this this innings puzzle that we're going to put together throughout the season. And I think Freddie's going to pitch more innings than he ever has in a season because of just the innings puzzle. So we're going to need innings from Freddie. I think at the start, for sure, it makes sense to stretch him out, treat him as a starter. And then as we get to opening day, we'll, we'll, we'll see where we're at. Man, so Freddie Peralta obviously is getting... He would go from one game just being electric to another game just getting smashed because all he was 75%, like what he said, throwing that fastball. To get a Trevor Bauer now slider in there, Freddie Peralta, though, Rowdy, a starter or a reliever? It looks like in spring training he's going to be a starter. Stretch him out. What do you think about the, the life of Peralta maybe moving back into that starting role like he did when he started his career? I think he's going to find that he's most successful coming out of the bullpen just because he has about – one and a half pitches, and when that second pitch is on, he looks pretty good out of the bull, out of the bullpen for two or three innings. We've seen outside of uh, what was that, 2017, when they first brought him up as a really really young kid, and he threw all those innings, struck out a lot of batters. We saw that second half of that season that major league hitters started to catch up to it, started to uh, kind of understand how he deceives people with his windup and his motion. But uh, to be frank. Kind of just getting tired of Freddie Peralta with, oh, I, I'm working on my slider. Remember, that was exactly what he said last year. Yeah, he came that? in with a slider, and then he and was it, getting rocked. Now it's a Trevor Bauer slider. Yeah, he was working on a slider. What was it, in like the Dominican Winter League? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I think I figured out a slider. And everyone was all excited about it. And we watched Freddie Peralta last year. I mean, he struggled a little bit when he started games. When he came out of the bullpen, it seemed like he just had better control the slider looked a little bit better, and he's not a guy that you want to go through the lineup more than two times with. And, I mean, at some point, I feel like you're just going to have to face the music and say, okay, he's an, he's a reliever. He can be a good reliever. Look at Josh Hader. Remember when uh, Josh Hader was a starter in the minors, and they brought him up, and they're like, okay, this guy could be a multiple-inning guy, mm-hmm. and he, he could be a good reliever. The and Brewers then, fans were clamoring for him to be a starter again. Exactly. And then you finally realize, hey, maybe uh, – Maybe he is best off being out of the bullpen. Was uh, everyone that was clamoring for Josh Hader to be a starter three years ago, are they all right with the fact that he stayed in the bullpen? Because I think that's worked out pretty well. Yeah, I think they'd be all right with that. And if the Brewers wanted to trade him right now, they could get a haul for him. Now, speaking of that, we uh, were exchanging a couple DMs last night, and you had messaged me from Extra 1360, that is voted best San Diego radio station in 2020. And they obviously cover you know, the San Diego Padres. 
And they said, is A.J. AJ Preller done, their GM for the Padres? And it said, quote, I'm told he's working on something. I'm just kind of in shock if that comes together. And then you had said in the DM, Rowdy, that, let's see here, Hater, Kane, and Garcia are rumored in on this one. What have you been seeing on the Twitter sphere? So, real quick, just to finish the the, uh, Freddie Peralta thing. (laughs) If when you when you fix something and you're like I got something last year and then all of a sudden we see that you're still kind of like uh, some days you have it some days you don't all of a sudden now you look at Trevor Bauer and you're like now I'm working on his slider it's just at some point uh, Freddie just well I'm glad that he's trying to fix and correct and get better at his craft I will say that about him but with the Padre stuff yeah so that radio station out of San Diego they said that from a source that uh, the GM for the Padres was still trying to put something together. He's still working on stuff before the season starts. And one of the teams that were linked were the Brewers. And some of the names that were floating around in those pieces would be the Josh Hader, the Lorenzo Kane, and the Avisel Garcia, just because that's how the financials would probably work best. Mm-hmm. And where there's smoke, there's fire, right? Now, this is a legit verified lookout. It's not a it's not a fake account that's trying to say Christian Yelich, Josh Hader. It's not an saw, account with a bio that says "Gotcha, bitch." Yeah, <laughs> because those with were the fake around. account. I had that sent to me too, and I I looked at it and I didn't click on it right away, and I sent it to you and go, "Oh my god, this would be crazy." Then I clicked on it right after I sent. You it saw to the you bio. Go, now this is fake. Gotcha, bitch. But the other one that was legit, you saw a lot of people rumored around with the Avisel Garcia, the Lorenzo Kane, the Josh Hader. And it, it would make sense when you when you see that there's a little smoke with the fact that the uh, the Brewers are interested and they're they're in on Jackie Bradley Jr., who right now is pretty close to the same player as Lorenzo Cain is. Yeah, so I'm reading here, uh, Padre fans, a lot of them are speculating. This is uh, a couple hours ago. Speculating on Twitter, ranging from a trade for Brewers all-star closer Josh Hader to packages including Lorenzo Cain or former NL MVP Christian Yelich are swirling. I don't buy the Yelly one. But. I don't think so either, especially signing signing that deal that he did. I feel like uh, love it, hate it, whether he's good or bad, Christian Yelich is going to be a Brewer for probably 10 years. Yeah. And he has a no-trade clause in there. Somewhere. So what would they be linking? What's the trade? Just some... some Top prospects? See, it, like doesn't, what's, it says top prospects here. Why would you do that for It doesn't make prospects? sense to me with... Um, now, it's all speculation, with, obviously. Yeah, Jack, so with the Jackie Bradley Jr. stuff, it wouldn't make sense for me for the Padres to straight up trade for Lorenzo Cain because they could just go sign Jackie Bradley Jr. They could probably outspend the Brewers, right? Mm-hmm. You'd, you'd think that they'd probably... Look at the spending spree that the the uh, Padres have been on in the last few years. We've talked about it, how they have almost $800 million tied to three players. They could just go sign them if they wanted. So why wouldn't they just go sign a younger Jackie Bradley Jr.? I think when they're talking about those packages, it's got to be for someone with like a Josh Hader also included. Yeah. I see this now on Bleacher Report. Josh Hader trade rumors. Padres raise interested suitors now, for Brewers Now, if you're a Brewers star. fan, are you willing to, to part ways with Josh Hader? Yeah, Devin Williams. The Milwaukee Brewers want to trade Hater. They're reportedly two World Series contenders who are at least showing interest in the All-Star closer. Because you know you're going to get a haul. Oh, yeah. Jeff Passan says the Padres and the Rays are among the potential suitors for Hater. Interesting. Well, I mean, this is, this is, and this article is from a couple days ago. but 
that big. But more so more much, rumors circling. There's so much. It would be a way to package Kane's big time contract and get a haul. Because Josh Hader's got a ton of value. The guy's under contract, if you count this yeah. year, for at See, least three Robert, more years. Robert Murray, who covers the Brewers, reported that the Milwaukee Brewers' asking prices would be overwhelming for the likes of Hader. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's I don't know if teams are done, obviously. Are the Brewers done? That's the question. That'd be interesting. Our sports director, Zach Heilprin. Zach, good morning. Good morning, Evo. It fills me with such joy. Same kind of joy. That uh, to be able to join you this morning. Really real does. Zach, they say real recognizes real. You are my yeah. sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy, Zach, when the skies are gray. Oof, that just tingles. You never know, dear, how much I love you. Okay, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyways, <laughs> all right, Zach. When it comes to Wisconsin Badgers, I want to talk about them and the stretch they got coming up. Because uh, thank you for sending me all the clips yesterday from you know the the media availability from you know Trice and. And uh, what was it, was Davidson it, and Guard? My question, though, was yes, yes. Was there anybody doing dishes in the background? No, you did very well on that okay. one. Thank you for stopping your baking and uh, doing yeah. your dishes for a second to give me mm-hmm. crystal clear audio. Uh, but gotcha. before that, Zach, JJ Watt Watch has kind of uh, sparked up again here. I know John mm-hmm. Clayton said some things yesterday, but then he kind of walked it back a little bit. But he's still out there. Yeah. But he says yeah. the three teams are kind of emerging. Despite them, there's like, what, a handful? He said like a dozen teams in the mix. The Tennessee right. Titans, the Buffalo Bills, and the Green Bay Packers. Those are kind of the ones. Mm-hmm. And the Steelers have kind of fallen off a little bit, even though with his brothers there. Browns are still in the mix. Raiders are dark horse for some reason. I've been asking everyone today, your head, your heart, your gut. J.J. Mm-hmm. Watt and the Packers, or just J.J. Watt, watch in general, Zach, for you, your head, your heart, your gut. What's it say head, to you about J.J. Watt? Head says, no way. Um Simply because the history, right? Like the history of the Packers, they always get you built up just to let you down on these type of things. Things that make too much sense, like just especially if it's going to be on a, uh, a cheaper deal, it just makes too much sense to put him alongside, alongside Kenny Clark to have a front four, like on pass rushing downs of him, Kenny Clark, Zedaria Smith, and Rashawn Gary. Obviously, Preston Smith will see. Um, uh, what was it? Hart? Ooh, yeah, yeah. Heart. Would, lo- would love to see J.J. Watt come home. Uh, and my heart says he will come home because it, his heart is in Wisconsin, and his heart <laughs> beats in the, his heart beat is the state of Wisconsin. So, yeah. I uh, the heart says yes, and and the gut, the gut says no. Unbelievable, dude. That's basically what everyone's been saying, though. But hey, but I mean, this is just I mean, this is just setting up for another. And I don't know if you're including things like this in your nut kick continuum. Yes, this will be involved in nut kick. Yes. Okay, this will be setting up for another thing because people talking about John Clayton throwing it out there, they're in the top three. It's just going to come down to it. And it's not going to end up happening, and people are just going to be – I think some people freak out. I think some people are, are certainly aware of what happens with the Packers and are preparing themselves as such. Yeah, well, here's the thing, Zach. The nut-kick continuum is a cruel, cruel mistress, and Ooh, that, yeah. that, that foot swings and kicks on to eternity. It's, it, it happens. I think the last one was that David Bakhtiari – uh, tearing his ACL. I think that was the last one of 2020. We'll see what happens with the Badger basketball season. There hasn't been a nut kick yet, uh, but it could be are happening. You, yes? Are you saying that yeah, clearly the NFC Championship game was a nut kick, right? Yes. Yes, that's true. Yes. I'm okay. trying to think. All I right. try to forget about some of them, but yeah. Okay. Zach, so they're always uh, for big games. Like it's big games, big moments. 
Not necessarily a regular season, but yes, the NFC Championship game. God, I, shame on me. I tried to block that out of my memory. Yes, that oh, is the last one, uh, was yeah. the Packers losing to the Buccaneers. And when LaFleur was like, I'm going to kick a field goal. Okay, <laughs> Zach, enough about the Packers and the nut continuum. Uh, let's talk about the Wisconsin Badger basketball season right now. We, I was playing the comments of Demetri Trice, and we had a loyal listener call in. And he said, man, Trice seemed very, his comments seemed kind of hollow. Like they didn't have much uh, oomph behind them. Like they didn't believe in themselves. But then he, I said, well, that's Trice. How would you like to be in the media? Like for the, I mean, tell he's the oldest guy on the team. Of all the times he's been in the media, eventually those players are just like, oh, God, here we go again, right? Like it's, it's hard to get legit answers out of them. It's always a lot of coach speak, player speak, right? Well, with Nietzsche, it is. Nietzsche is kind of a soft talker to begin with. He's not like a, a, a real forceful guy. Like that's not who he is, yeah. like just in terms of how he talks. I think if you you listen to Micah Potter after the game the other day, there's some fight and there's some urgency and there's some uh, some vigor there. And, and, and Meech has that. It just it's different. It doesn't come out in the way he talks. Certain guys talk a certain way, and you certainly hear that when Micah Potter speaks, and you don't necessarily hear it when Demetrius speaks. Yeah, exactly. And then the question I had for you is, I obviously was not in the Zoom conference of the players, but they're like, where was Nate Reavers? Was Nate Reavers even there? Don't they select an X amount of players that just speak with the media? Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, they only go. I mean, they only they gave two players and the coach. So they gave yes. The Reavers, Reavers and Potter spoke before the Northwestern game, and so they had these guys speak before the Illinois game. Um, I mean, it's possible that we'll get players again today. I haven't seen anything, but it's possible. But yeah, for the I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's possible we'll get the seniors. And there's so many seniors, we won't get all of them, of course. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's a possibility, I, I guess. But no, they, last week it was it was those two, and so this time it was yeah. Um, Trice and Davison. It like rotates. Like they just pick players and yeah. they go do it. All right. So yeah. So yes. comments from Davison, Trice, and Gardo as well. So Zach, when I was listening to, you know, Demetric Trice, and then listening to Brad Davison, you know, they were obviously talking about how they were robbed uh, a little bit. Davison was about last year of March Madness and how good they were, and you know how they got hot at the end. And it's essentially, I know we've talked about this at nauseating levels. Like it's the same thing, right? But. Demetric Trison was talking about how they could feel the energy building off that Northwestern win. And, Zach, with Illinois losing to Michigan State earlier this week, you have now Michigan State, or I'm sorry, Illinois playing against Nebraska tonight. I was saying if Michigan State can beat Illinois, the Badgers sure can do it. That win against Northwestern, though, is that something that truly can be built off of to carry success over to the Kohl Center? And is it senior day on Saturday against Illinois? Do they stand a fighting chance? Certainly better than a loss. No, I'm, oh yeah, you're right. I think I, I think it was important for a couple of reasons. We kind of talked about them on Monday, but I think it's important because um, Dimitri mentioned it as well. Some guys are starting to shoot better. Uh, himself included in the Northwestern game, obviously didn't have a great Iowa game, but uh, Micah Potter again had a really good game against Northwestern shooting wise. And if those guys are going to start shooting well, I think you have a really really good shot of uh, making some things interesting. And they did not shoot well against Illinois. If you go back to that game. He shot 16% from three-point range. Mm. That's not, that's not going to get it done. And, uh, and Demetrius said as much, said we're not going to shoot as badly as we shot that game. Uh, we think we're better defensively. We think we found uh, uh, our feet a little bit defensively. Not even, not even just the Northwestern game, but you know, yeah, large stretches of the Iowa game, too, um, that they, they played well enough defensively. They just didn't have anything offensively. That they can, they can hold on to Illinois. And you know, going back and looking at Illinois' record, I even take the Michigan State game out of there. They had beaten Minnesota by a ton, but they had played tight games uh, against some other teams after that win over Wisconsin. They had, they had some single-digit wins, including a single-digit win over Northwestern. So, um, you know, 
we'll see what happens with uh, Illinois tonight, but I have to think Wisconsin getting a few, getting this entire week off, and Illinois having to play two games and then come on the road and play a third in six days certainly has to be a benefit and certainly has to give Wisconsin more than a fighting chance to win on Saturday. I'm not saying they're going to, but right, I'm just right. saying it's this, this uh, setting up very, very nicely, you would think, for them. Now, Zach Halpern, our sports director, joining us right now, setting up very nicely for a great interview. So, Zach, let me ask you then, man. We were looking at the Badger schedule and we were looking at bracketology, and we were trying to decipher, like, what's their best win? Because I've seen, like, Jerry Palm and, and Andy Katz and those guys saying there's not, like, a legit Big Ten win on the schedule for Wisconsin right now. I mean, obviously they could get that Saturday. Uh, maybe one, Iowa at the end of the season. I don't know. what I know Purdue, I think, is receiving others receiving votes. And I think we settled on, and Rowdy said it best, it was the Loyola of Chicago right now is looking <laughs> like their best win. When it comes to tournament time, not Big Ten, but March Madness, uh, where are you seeing the Badgers seated? Because right now I'm seeing anywhere from 5 to 7. I mean, if, if they were to lose, I know we've kind of brushed on this before, but if they were to lose out, or maybe just get one win. What what kind of seed are we looking at for the Badgers here in March Madness? Yeah, despite not having that, I don't know what you would call a marquee win, their net ranking is still in the top 25, if not the top 5. I haven't looked today, but um, it's still relatively good. And so uh, I think if they were to lose out, they lose the next three, they're probably still going to be like a 7. Uh, really? Uh, 6 or 7. Yeah, I mean, the Big Ten, because of how good the Big Ten is, it's helping everybody else. I mean, Michigan State uh, is allegedly making a run here towards the, towards the end of it, uh, and they are, I believe, uh, five and nine in conference, or they are six and nine in conference. Like I, it, it honestly, it's because of the Big Ten that Wisconsin will be such. Uh, I, I think we'll build off of that. I, I personally think they are going to lose the last three. So uh, Did you say we'll two of three or, or all of them? I think they'll lose all of them. But mm. Um, mm. again. I don't think that's necessarily a, like a horrible, horrible thing. Like, if they play well in those games and they just don't win them, okay. Now, if they go out and shoot the way that they shot for a large stretch of this last 12 games, then, then there would be a concern. But, again, I, I think tournament-wise, seven, perhaps eight at worst. But, um, yeah, the Big Ten strength is helping them immensely. Now, Michigan, I know they were off for a while because of COVID issues at uh, their university, but are they making a play? To be, you know, a national, you know, can, are they contending right now for a national championship? I think they're the best team in the conference, or the best team in the country. country? Wow, they're yeah. good. And if they, they've had one down game the entire season, that was at Minnesota, um, who beat them, I think, by double digits. But that's the it. That's it. And I think if they had played these last few weeks, we'd be talking about them more as the top team in the country. That their metrics are off the train, uh, off the charts, and both at both ends of the court, they're fantastic. And you know, Gonzaga is undefeated. Baylor undefeated. I get that, but they don't play in the big 10. I can't imagine. I I imagine Gonzaga would have a loss or two if they played in the big 10, same thing with Baylor. So um, Michigan's one loss is, is mighty impressive. And that game on Sunday against, against Ohio state, one of the better ones of the year in all of college basketball. I think, again, I think this has a really good chance of uh, being the year that the big 10 snaps that, that streak of not having an NCAA. When was the last uh, time? Was it Michigan state? Yeah, it was in 2000 when they beat Wisconsin in the in the oh, semifinals. It's been that long. Yeah, yeah. wow, that's, had a lot of seconds. That's crazy to think about, man. Yeah, Zach Halpern, our yeah, sports director, joining us. Yeah, plenty. Not kick continuums, right? Justice Winslow, mm. Jesus. Justice uh, Winslow, but I mean, he's. I mean, Michigan finished second. Yeah. Uh, Michigan uh, State. Michigan State. Michigan State has. Illinois has. Yeah, it's. Uh, 
tough. Wow. But if you want, if you re- if you really want to count it, you could you could throw Maryland in there because they actually did win the title. Uh, I think in two thousand two, but they were not in the Big Ten at that point. We don't. But no, we're not. They're, no. Yeah. Okay. Still, right. just, I'm just saying. I just, I t- I'm still a touchy subject because Indiana over Diamond Stone. Maryland beat Indiana that day. Yeah. Uh, so Indiana. <laughs> uh, Zach Halpern, our sports director, joining us right now. Zach, I want to switch a little gears, and I know it's a little more of a, a sensitive subject here, but it's something that you know I want to bring up because it involves a former Wisconsin Badger football player, involves the university, and involves something that I know you were covering a lot uh, when it was all unfolding. But Quintez Cephas is now suing the University of Wisconsin, correct? Uh, filed in federal court in Madison. Uh, violating his due process rights, violating Title IX provisions, and a breach of contract. Is this his second attempt to, to have a lawsuit on the university, or am I misremembering this? Mm, I'll be honest. I have not followed as closely as I probably should. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am not, uh, I'm not, I'm not positive on uh, when, you know, if this is the second time or not. I know that he did file suit, and then he withdrew it. Maybe that's – okay, uh, that's what I'm thinking of, yes. Yeah, it was withdrawn. Um I think that was. I think it was withdrawn because he filed it. I think when he was still, um, uh, when he had gotten kicked out of the university, he, that's when they filed it. And then he pulled it back before their trot before trial. And then obviously after, you know, he got um, he got reinstated. There, there wasn't a, there wasn't anything there. Yeah. I guess I'm a little. I, I'm not surprised. I guess I shouldn't be surprised that that, that he's filing it um, because I think there's a lot of people that thought he was done wrong. Um, with that case, and the thing is, the the other side also sued the university. Yeah. So, yes, that's maybe um, that's what I was thinking of too. Wow. Yeah, I mean, there there are multiple sides to to the story, and both feel like they were wronged. Uh, obviously, it just depends, I guess, what viewpoint you're coming from Correct. in that in that respect. So wow, yeah, crazy. I just wanted to bring it up very briefly because I know it was, it, was, it was news the other day. I saw it on MadCitySports.com. dot com. But Zach, uh, just on the football team itself, and and. No longer on the Cephas subject, but on the football team itself. Any update on fans in the stands? Because I know, was it Barry Elvers out there saying that they're going to get fans in the stands? I don't think there's been an update, but have you heard anything? Are we still going to maybe yeah. get our butts in those seats? Yeah, they're going full. That's that's the plan. The plan is to go full and then pivot later if you, if they need to. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. Do you think, here. Yes. Where, where's your gut feeling on that? <laughs> my, my, head, my head, my heart, and my gut? Yeah. Uh, my head says that um, our government oppressors will not let us in at all. My heart says I would love to be in there with a full stadium, and my gut says it will be a limited capacity. Uh, that sounds about right. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just wondering what what kind of limited capacity it would be. I mean, I I don't know, man. Well, I saw what the, what, the what Brewers are going to have thirty five percent. They're hoping for Milwaukee County to let them. Today's the twenty fifth of February. So we're still, still uh, six months. Away seven months, six or seven months away from it. Yeah, a lot could happen in that time, and I think that they're going to wait as long as possible uh, before having to make a decision, just like kind of like they did last year. I, I guess I'd be surprised if it was full, but maybe fifty percent, maybe seventy-five percent. Uh, maybe they only let the season ticket holders in and the students. Like I, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, I love. I the think fact, there will be fans there. I love the fact that they're shooting for you know they're shooting for a full. Like I love it. Yeah, and then you can re- then you can re you know like you said pivot readjust after that. So it's mm-hmm. uh, I will not get my hopes up because when I get my hopes up and this is nothing this is not for you this is just my personal belief I'd never get my hopes up when government is involved in anything. So that that's just me, Zach. Zach, there are there are yes there are just so many home great home games that we you have to hope. That fans are going to be there, be able to see them. Well, the schedule, the schedule is amazing, right? It's awesome. Yeah, so. yeah. All right, Zach. Well, before I let you go, can you believe that freaking Marquette beat North Carolina? 
North Carolina. Eh. Eh. Right, but is, Marquette, is, is now Marquette playing their way around the bubble at uh, 12 and 15 on the year, whatever they are? Yeah, they're, I think they're 11 and 12 now. Whatever. I just, I can't believe it. I would have put a bunch of money that North Carolina would have tuned them up because I don't, I don't like Marquette. Not a huge fan of Marquette, not a huge fan of Wojo. I believe I saw last night he, uh, Wojo, 4 0, uh, or 0 and 4 as a player at Carolina. 1 0 as a coach, though. <laughs> How does he still have a job, is beyond me. I guess this gave him a little more longer pass, so there it is. All right, so. There were a lot of, lot, of, lot, of Duke, lot of Duke highlights popped up last night uh, with Wojo. <laughs> we'll end it there, Zach. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, brother. Yeah. We, always, we always appreciate your time. All right, guys. Thanks. There he is, our sports director, Zach Heilprin. Follow along on Twitter at Zach Heilprin. <laughs>